0: I don't want to play any of that shine music. This is what Glenn Hughes alleged Richie Blackmore said after he left the band after Stormbringer to usher in the fourth incarnation of Deep Purple. Now in subsequent interviews an interview with Classic Rock certainly Richard Blackmore replied, very true when told about this. It's not an ideal reference. But what he really meant, he says, is that he didn't want to play any of that American R&B. And he quotes disco music. Now, this is hardly disco. But the album I'm going to talk about tonight has a very big soul and R&B influence. And I love it. This album certainly needs a hug. It's the last Deep Purple album before a break. And their 84 Reformation. This one is Come Taste the Band. I suppose this is Glenn Hughes' influence, really, isn't it? You know, generally, Glenn's got such a fantastic funk and soul feel to him that he does tend to, some may say, infect, I say, add to the music that he that he works with. You know, the stuff with Joe Lynn Turner is is funkier. The, um, the album he's done recently with the Dead Daisies, as of course he's, he's replaced John Karabi, which is soon to be released, is funkier, has a soul edge, sounds very much like a Glenn Hughes solo album, and that, for me, is just great. But then I've always liked funk, and I've always liked... Well, so when I say always, I liked it once i have opened my mind. Strangely, that came via the Blow Monkeys. But it came and I love his solo stuff, I love the influence and I love the way that um, Deep Purple were moving through the third incarnation and some people just couldn't take that. But music is music and we need to break out of boundaries, don't we? Well that's the issue with this album. A lot of people don't like this and Don't see it as a Deep Purple album. Alleged that Ian Gillen didn't see it as a Deep Purple album. Well, it is a Deep Purple album because it has that Deep Purple basis to it. Particularly Pace is in there, you know that. John Lord is in there working extremely well. You've got Glenn Hughes doing his bit. Coverdale is in fine voice. And with Tommy Bolin, formerly of the James Gang, You do have a different kind of player One that plays in the music One that has a different style And the music Was different This album is less Of a Solid backbone And more Of a lighter feel So you know After a bit of a raucous rush Coming home to give you know, just something that you think that um, you'd expect from Deep Purple, perhaps not one of my favorite tracks, you do have something which is one of my favorite tracks because up next is Lady Luck and it's got a kind of, it does have more of a soul shuffle on it and that linked to John Lord's Hammond organ and synth work and you know and piano work and you know that he sometimes was a garnish to Deep Purple I'm not saying that he wasn't an intrinsic part of their sounds you know he was but on this album I believe he's part of the music in a much more central way here, you know, his um, organ work is right at the middle of this tune. On this album, Tommy Bollin doesn't say, here's the riff. We'll leave with that. You give us something on your on, on, on your instruments, John, and we'll we'll go that way this time. It's the other way round. On this track, he is central to everything. He begins it, it drives the song. And Tommy Bollin's guitar in the main body of this song is there to help, to add some thickening. And that is a difference to their sound. And you can say to me, well, you know, That doesn't happen, though, on the next track in, does it? Getting tighter. No, it doesn't. You do have a nice tight riff, a nice tight guitar. And in a way, that guitar work drives that. But then look at that central dropped out section, which has the guitar work, but has so much air in it. It has so much of a kind of fusion feel to it. That this is a different Deep Purple. You know, people say, well, things were developing from Stormbringer, but this is far different to that. This doesn't have the bombast that that has. It has so much groove, but there is no big rock here. This is all about how you move to that music. The middle of getting tighter with that big bass, And the almost sly guitar is like a sort of southern rock jam. But it really has a groove, and that's the important thing here. And just take a listen to I Need Love. You have a superb, full-throated vocal from David Coverdale. He's really owning that music now. But when you consider what's around it, the difference in... The bass and the beat working together. There's a real. Sinuous lightness. And that doesn't happen. In other. Purple albums before. Or since really. I like to hear that difference here. And then later on in that song. Tommy Bollin's guitar. Jousting with a very squelchy. John Lord synth. It's. Something you again wouldn't hear so much in a Deep Purple album. And you know, I've used the word so many more, so I'll use a different one. It's an impudence here. They know what they are doing and they can work with this music. You know, it's music that was at the time upcoming. You know, it, it, you have, as far as funk's concerned, you have some big releases this year, bands that have been doing this for a while and know what they're doing just like Deep Purple. You've got The Mothership Connection, Parliament and then another album this year from them, Chocolate City and we're working on Atlanta. These are great commercial funk albums which get into the conscious. Big releases from Earth, Wind & Fire and Curtis Mayfield. You've got Coffee and Foxy Brown you know, in the, in the two years around this album, and there is a feeling that Bonk and James Brown still doing his thing, and, you know, you've had uh, Isaac Hayes still in there, you know, uh, the Black Moses himself, and, you know, you, you, you have that feeling, that feeling of gritty R&B in here, but what you don't have with this album is you don't have that massive monolithic bass, which an awful lot of... Um, bigger um, funk bands have there is a light sinuousness here if that's a word I've made it one now If it isn't and it is so good to hear for instance drifter would sound with a big riff up front it would sound like uh, a, a deep purple song that we'd expect but it has with the bass Andy and Pacer's drum line. It sounds like he's doing a Bernard Purdy shuffle here. And that is absolutely in keeping with this album. But if you just want a big, exciting riff with a Hammond to back it up, then you know, you can look no further than Love Child. That's what this song is, and that's what you get there. It's a sassing strutty feel, but you do get that. And then to finish this monumentally brilliant album, this time around, and to the instrumental of that ode to G, (laughs) which is... It's a ballad, yes. It's a barroom blues track, yes. It's a musical theatre type track, yes. All this is something that I don't believe and I'll say it again. Deep Purple could have done in the past and would do in the future. And to finish with the growing pulsating you keep on moving which finally gives you a very simple catchy chorus and then unpacks a beautiful John Lord Hammond solo and finishing with Tommy Bolin's screams of guitar but which served the song Never overplaying What An album Certified silver When released So not a massive success This is probably too different now, Ian Gillen as I said Mentioned that it wasn't a, really a deep purple album And John Lord said it's uh, Listening to it Surprisingly good But if you've got a criticism it's, that it's not really a deep purple album It just doesn't sound like what you'd expect a Deep Purple album to be. And if that's the way you feel, absolutely fine. But a band don't lose their absolute essence just because they develop and try something new. And no more so than Deep Purple, who came back in 84 with Perfect Strangers, which is a quintessential sounding Deep Purple album you know people didn't like Fireball when it was out either I know it's difficult to uh, compare these two because this is so different but you know Deep Purple were always doing other things and the music was developing on the three albums of the Mark III and IV versions I love this album it's got a real lightness of touch it's got a real funky strut. It's got a real happiness in it and a sinuous quality that I love. And when I'm listening to it, I'm looking like John Lord on the cover, the awful cover, but John Lord on the cover, grinning manically. Five out of five. And as Glenn Hughes would tell us, the it don't lie.